It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. 708 at News Talk WSB. 68 degrees outside. The Lawn and Garden Show is here. If you have a question about your lawn, your shrub, your trees, your pests, anything, your insects, if you just have a question you need answering, 404-872-0750. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener. I have killed many more plants than you have, and that has given me the authority to tell you why my plants died and how you can avoid that same fate in your landscape. Brett is in Atlanta, and Brett joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Brett. Good morning. Hey, good morning, Walter. I got a question about two uh, brown turkey figs I planted last year, last yeah. fall. They uh, they were both two years old, and I planted them. They did uh, did well last fall, and when they came back this spring, one of them came back. They're about they're about three feet tall right now. One of them came back, and there's vigorous growth all over the plant. And the other one came back, and I have it only at the base of the plant, so everything's coming right from the bottom. Yeah. Is uh, should I do anything different with that? Should I prune it? What, what's going on? Why? How, what's, how would you explain the discrepancy and where the growth occurring between the two plants? Yeah, you remember the guy I talked to earlier about his magnolia, and I said there's just some genetic variability in your magnolia and how many leaves it has on it. I'll bet that you have some genetic variability between the two brown turkey figs. These days, I don't think anybody has a true brown turkey that was introduced back in the 1920s. Uh, you get cuttings, and sometimes the cuttings can be come from a plant that's a little cross-breeding going on between something and something else. So you may have two named brown turkey figs, but maybe genetically they are different from each other, and one was more susceptible to cold, and so it froze all the way down to the base, and now you got the sprouts coming up from the base, and the other one had just a degree or two more tolerance of cold weather, and so it's sprouting out all over. So, I mean, to be honest, what I would do is cut out the dead stuff that's on the one that has the sprouts at the base and watch them grow. How, how, how low would you cut that one down? Uh, take a thumbnail and scratch the bark of the fig, and anywhere where it's green, you don't want to prune that out, generally speaking, but where it's brown underneath your scratch, cut that out. Okay. Thank you so much, Easy sir. enough. And the one, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if the one that had the cold damage to it, it wouldn't surprise me if it had very few figs this fall. It just all that new growth coming up is less likely to have figs on it than the um, growth that comes from the one that has you know, leaves all over it. So the one that has leaves all over it is more likely to give you all the figs that you get this year. Okay. Anything I should do next year to, to kind of help out the... I doubt it. It's the kind of thing that if you had a big fig farm, of course, you'd do some protection on them, but honestly, it's probably not worth the uh, time and effort it would be to cover over your figs. You just have to wait and see what nature deals us. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Thank you, sir. You bet. Thanks for calling, Brett. We got uh, Major, 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 Major up in Gainesville, Georgia, who has, has some tips about lawnmowers. Major, hey, yeah. man. Good morning. Good morning. What you got? Well, I was, I've been, I've been listening to you for years and years and years, and this is the first chance I've had to actually call. So you had mentioned about some lawnmowers, different brands yeah. that do different things. And um, mulching between mulching and bagging and just general side discharge mowers. Yeah. You know, the, the biggest problem that we have in the industry is the ethanol gas that is used today, <laughs> the, um, which are killing the, the, uh, the carburetors. 
And uh, people just don't seem to understand the difference between that and their own car. You know, I hadn't thought about that, but you're exactly right. Ethanol, alcohol that's in gasoline can eat rubber a little bit and can do some problems with the little plastic fittings in the, in the carburetor. You're right. Yeah, when they sit over the winter, they create ethanol crystals in the carburetor, which causes corrosion, rust for some carburetor bulbs and different things. And it's, it's, uh, it really is a tremendous problem when consumers spend, you know, on your average, your cheapest mower is $149 all the way up to, you know, $1,500, oh, yeah. depending on the brand and what it actually does. So what would you do? So, Major, if you if you have a lawnmower that, uh, you know, you bought it, you're not sure how many years ago you bought it, what would you do in the wintertime to prepare it so it doesn't have those ethanol crystals as you describe it? Well, you, you, there's, there's several things to do. We have a station, a gas station here. I won't mention any names of gas stations that sell ethanol-free fuel. Yep. And uh, we have a lot of uh, professional landscapers that now are using nothing but ethanol-free fuel. There's also several products. Right that can be used like stable and different things that really stabilize the fuel, but it doesn't prolong its use. And what I try to explain to people is at the end of the season, when you you know you're not going to cut any more grass, is to run these treatments in your gas and run it as close to dry as possible. Right. Then it, it, it does away with the alcohol, and it allows your mower to crank back up again. I mean, I get them every day that, well, I ran it last year, and now it won't run. Yeah, and they don't—they uh, don't look at air filters, they don't look at spark plugs, they don't look at oil, and of course, the blades are duller than a butter knife. <laughs> and uh, you know that's—it—it uh, it, it adds up in a hurry when they bring them in the shop, and I have to completely, virtually tear them down and start over. You know, and they say, "Well, I could have bought a new one." I said, "Well." You could, but it's going to do the same thing if you don't change what you do. I think you can make a good point. I used to talk to people or during the August, September time when they're just about to finish mowing their lawns. I used to say, be sure and run your mower until it's completely dry and empty so you don't have any gasoline that will gum up the works inside the, the bowl or inside the carburetor, either one. But I just got out of the habit of doing that major but i should do that or put the stable or seafoam or one of the other gasoline uh, treatment products in there too to keep the gas fresh and hopefully keep it from causing problems in the spring which you make good points and i appreciate your call major it tells a little bit more about lawnmowers and uh maybe the ethanol might be the might not be the greatest thing to put in a lawnmower when you got new gasoline in the spring you want to have to have to make sure you got the right kind thanks for calling major i got to go on and go to babs babs is in atlanta and joins us at lawn and garden hey babs good morning oh hey Mason. hey i live right near you on oak grove road you can walk by my house and see what's wrong with my bushes what's going every on every one of them is dying what kind of bushes are we talking about we're talking about azalea persephia and my yard man cut them all back, and now they're growing up with just a bunch of woody stems, and they're growing sideways. They look awful. <laughs> I told him, what's wrong? I told him, I said, please dig these things up, and let's put down some new ones. But we don't know what to put down, yeah. and I don't, you know, there must be about... 30 of them, and they're all dying. So only sideways, <laughs> Azaleas and Forsythia, are you saying there's still leaves on them, or they're completely bare? 
No, they're still leaves, but mostly woody looking, mostly dying. Yeah, yeah, they're yeah. dying. And see, I've lived here 30 years, and I'm sure these are about 40 years old. Well, Babs, I don't think the greatest time in the world to plant plants is now. You could you could plant shrubs. You can plant an azalea and a rose now, but you've got to be real careful about watering in the summertime. So. My mm-hmm. advice for you, honestly, is just to prune out anything that's obviously dead or damaged and not going to do anything for you during the summer. But leave the plants where they are. Leave the azaleas and the forsythia and everything else. Leave it where, where they are. And then wait till the fall when Pike has the first big shrub sale in the fall and buy some new ones there to replace the ones that don't look so good. What could I buy? What would be a pretty book? Why can't you use the same Why? Okay, well, use uh, Pieris or, uh, let's see, not rhododendron, certainly, but oh, tell me why you don't want azaleas. i got to know that first. Well, they're little, and they don't look pretty. They've got new houses across the street. <laughs> They've got these gorgeous, thick, green, yeah. you know, things that are all shaped and pretty. So why can't That's you do that I- yourself? Do what? Uh, do the shaping and the prettiness of the azaleas, and why not use the same plan that the neighbor across the street uses? Oh, well, I'll have to go ask them whatever it is. I don't know. <laughs> I, yeah, do that. How far How far down Oak Grove do you live, Babs? I'm right across from these brand-new gorgeous mansions okay. between Kirkland and... Um, between Kirkland and Chrysler. I will drive or walk down Oak Grove Road, and if I see anything different, I'll knock on your door and tell you what's going on. Oh, come on, where are you? Let me go get dressed. <laughs> <laughs> Not today, more than likely, Babs. You can wear your, okay. wear your nightgown a little bit longer, but it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, thanks. All okay, right. that'd be great, Walter. Thanks a lot. Thanks. Good, good, good to talk to you, Babs. Thanks for calling. Okay, okay bye. Babs has got to get her pajamas off and get her good clothes on. It is in, no, let's go to Rita. Rita's just got a real quick question about mushrooms. Hey, Rita, good morning. Good morning. Uh, Walter, my question actually is about a cherry blossom tree that I planted about three years ago in my yard. And this year it did bloom, but now it seems to have been attacked by fungus. And because uh, the leaves have all wilted on it, they haven't dropped yet. Mm -hmm. But I noticed a couple of days ago that there are mushrooms growing around the base of the tree. And believe it or not, even the grass around the the tree seems to be affected. The blades of the grass have little brown spots on it. So my question is, should I, because it seems like it's been attacked by some kind of fungus at the root, is what I'm guessing. If you have, let me interrupt you because I don't have a lot of time here. Rita, if you've got mushrooms growing at the base of the tree, that is bad, bad news because mushrooms tell me that there's a bigger fungus than you realize, maybe, that is attacking the internal part of the trunk of the tree down there close to the ground. And the mushrooms are just sort of the flowers of that active fungus. And the tree having wilted and not having many leaves on it, things like that, say, you know, that's sort of corroboration of what I think. So I think you're going to lose the tree. I think you're going to have to dig it up and and plant another one there. But the thing that I bet you is the original cause of the deterioration of the tree is it was planted about five or six or seven maybe inches too deep. I see it all the time. I see landscape planted trees. I see homeowner planted trees that have been planted just a little bit too deep where people weren't really sure where the uh, major roots were, and so they planted them down in the ground, and you really should be able to see the major roots, or the top of them anyway, when you finish planting a tree. So my guess is that's what's going on. 
And the cure, quite honestly, is going to be take the tree out and put another one in its place. Make sure you have good, loosened soil all around the tree planting spot. And make sure the first major root that comes out of the trunk of the tree is right at soil level. You should be able to see a little flare at the base of the tree. And if you see that flare, that should be right at ground level with that major root right beside it. And that will give you, I think, a cherry tree that will last as long as mine have, which is now 32 years. So... That's what you need to do. Make sure you plant it correctly because that is what I think originally caused the problem for you. It's 719 and you're... This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, truck mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. With a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. You know what would be perfect to do today? Deadhead knockout roses. I've gone around Atlanta and I see how well they've bloomed for the past couple, three weeks. And most shrubs of the knockout rose have a lot of the dead little holder things where the, uh, where the rose has faded and fallen off. This would be a great day to do that. Go down about 16 inches from the point where you want more flowers than within... Mm, two, three, probably weeks, you'll have more flowers out there. And if you don't deadhead, they won't produce the flowers nearly as well as they should. And so if you want to go deadhead your flowers, you'll do it in temperatures that approach the 90s this afternoon. And again, tonight, the lows drop down into the eh, mid-60s, let's call it. Stay tuned. At last, what's accurate and defendable forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Don't forget, if you go to WalterReeves.com, you can subscribe to our free email newsletter. It comes out every other Thursday. Lots of good pictures and articles and things in the newsletter that you need to know about. You can follow me on Twitter at Walter Reeves, and you can sign up to or you can like the Facebook page, the Georgia Gardener Facebook page, and get updates on things you need to be doing in your garden all during the week. All that available for free right there at WalterReeves.com. Com. Back in the next half hour, Patsy and Grayson has a hydrangea. is not blooming. What's wrong with it? Holly in Buford has a Bermuda lawn, sort of thin, wants to know where the seed or sod makes more sense for that. It is up in Johns Creek. It says an apple tree has a limb that the bark is peeling off of it. Howard in Fayetteville has a tragedy. His Leland cypresses are all browning and turning weird colors. He needs to know why that's happening. Pam and Flowery Branch has some summer vegetables. Wants to know if they should be pruned. All right, we'll find out about that. All of them, 404-872-0750. We'll be back after news. Yes, I get the gist of it, but it's all right. It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. 736, 67.9 degrees outside. It's going to be a pretty nice day, a little warm in the afternoon. If you've got questions about your garden and what you should be doing and how to do it, all you got to do is call me, 404-872-0750. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, here to help you be more successful in whatever you're trying to do. Ed in Johns Creek wants his apple tree to be a little bit more successful this morning. Ed, good morning. Hey, Walter, how are you doing this morning? Doing great, Ed. How can I help? Um, I've got a... I was telling the uh, lady uh, checking the phone calls, we've got a uh, apple orchard. Um, I would say small. I've probably got maybe a total of 16 trees. Uh-huh. And on some of the trees, the bark's actually peeling off. And you can tell that the, the hard stock underneath, it looks like it's almost dead. Yeah. 
But on that same tree, I've got a couple, um, what I would say, bigger limbs that are, you know, that's the part of the trunk. The bigger limbs that are probably, you know, three inch to four inch in diameter that are fresh, no signs of any rotting or anything, and have fruit already hanging on them, you know, and and it's green. I didn't know if it's something that I can do to save the trunk or if I can cut that good, good limb off and then transplant it the ground uh, or, or a pot or something right. to allow it to establish some roots. Right. Th- that you can't do. The limb is way too big right now to, to establish roots and to keep it healthy, so don't do that. Okay. It sounds to me like if you've got a dead limb, you just have to cut it out. If you ha- okay. if you leave it on the tree, it will rot. Eventually, it's going to fall out anyway because of the rot, but that will leave a big wound, a scar that the tree will have a very hard time to heal over. And okay. pruning out the dead limbs is about the best you can do. I'm curious as to what caused it, though. You didn't see any kind of canker or any swelling or anything around a year or two no. ago, maybe? No, and, and like, I, uh, you know, the, the orchard's fairly new. We just moved up here, and it was established, I'm guessing, a, you know, at least 15 years back, because the trees look fairly old, and, yeah. um, you know, they're fairly tall. Um, they have not been maintained by the previous owners, so, you know, the... The pruning on the inside of them to you know allow air airflow and stuff has not been done, so they're pretty you know thick in the middles. You know, I'm almost I'm tempted. I'm not going to volunteer people to do this job for me, but I'm tempted to say you need to go up to LJ and talk to one of the orchard owners in LJ. They have lots of big apple orchards up in that direction, all along the highway there. And oh, yeah, up there by like Merciers or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, okay. exactly. And see if you can find somebody smarter than me who has hundreds and hundreds of apple trees and show them pictures of your apple tree and say, does this ring any bells? Is this anything I need to be worried about or should I just prune the limb out and forget about it? They may just tell you that. They may say, prune it out, forget about it, no big deal. Or they may notice something about the wound that rings true or something they've had to deal with in their own big orchard. So you need somebody smarter than me with a lot more experience with apples specifically, maybe to diagnose what happened and why that limb died. Okay. All right. I can handle that. All right, then. Thanks, Walter. It's great talking to you, Ed. Thanks for calling. Bye-bye. 39 minutes past the hour. Patsy, Grayson, Georgia, and joins us at Lawn and Garden. Hey, Patsy, good morning. Hi, good morning, Walter. How can I help? Well, I have a 10-year-old, I guess you call it a common hydrangea. Yeah. Uh, It bloomed great for about nine years. It came from uh, my family property in Norcross. And in 2014, the landscapers cut it back, and so evidently uh, that, that... Got all my blooms off, so it didn't bloom last year, and it didn't grow very well. So this winter, I tell them, don't touch it. So it's growing fine, but still no blooms. And I've fertilized it. I've given it miracle Grow. I've given it 10-10-10. What can I do? Was there any winter damage, any freeze damage to it from this past winter? I have. I, I did notice some, and I cut all the dead stuff off. Good. So. It's been growing fine, but it's not growing really well. Like it should be about three or four feet tall, and it's only about two feet tall. My bet is there was a little bit of winter damage to it, and not much you can do about that. Winter's gone, and all you do is prune out the dead wood anyway. How are you fertilizing it? Uh, early this spring, I gave it some 10, 10, 10, and I've given it a couple of doses of some Miracle Grow. You know what I would do is get one of the slow acting 
organic fertilizers, milorganite, espoma, um, one of the EB Stone products that Pike sells, any of those really slow-acting fertilizers, I think are at least are not going to do any harm to the hydrangea, but they may do a really good thing for the hydrangea, sort of stimulate more growth, make it have a lot of healthy uh, leaves and stems on it this spring, summer, fall. And it may not bloom. Okay, we'll have to accept that. It may not bloom because if it hasn't bloomed by now, it's probably not going to bloom the rest of the summer. But a little uh, slow-release organic fertilizer might go a long way to making the hydrangea happy and able to survive through this coming winter and then bloom bloom for you really good next year. That's what I would do. All right. I will give that a try. Thanks so much. You bet, Patsy. Thanks for calling. Bye now. we got Holly in Buford, Georgia, who joins us with a question about her Bermuda lawn. Hey, Holly. Good morning, Walter. I, I have a lawn service, and they told me that they don't seed Bermuda because it's not a good idea. What do you think? They don't seed, did you say? Yes. Okay. Hey, it depends. Why do you want to seed? Let's get, get the history here. Why do you want to seed in the first place? Well, it's just patches. But like patches as big as a dinner plate or as big as a dining room table, or how big? Uh... Big as a dinner plate. But not huge patches, just dinner plate size. No, it's mud. I mean, it's dirt. It's gone. Mm, mm, mm. Is there any reason? Can you see why is the soil just really compacted there? Is there some reason that that area doesn't have any Bermuda growing in it? Um, Probably the winter, probably compacted, probably, um, I don't know, shade. So are you asking me whether or not it's better to do seed or sod, or what's your question? Yes, that's question? it. You know what I'm tempted to tell you to do is to go to, I've seen at the big box stores, they have these pallets of Bermuda sod that they sell, and they dry out <laughs> day by day. I see the sod look worse and worse and worse. But try to get there during the time. Or Pike sells Bermuda sod, too. Go to Pike. They'll have fresh, good sod. Um Get a just a one piece of sod, two maybe pieces of sod, and take them home and chop them into little sprigs about two, maybe three inches in diameter, and put those sprigs in the dead spots. Because Bermuda, once it is watered correctly for a couple of weeks, is going to take hold, root in there, and start spreading and cover over the spot. Seeding maybe a little more problematic because you have to be really, really sure to keep it moist for about four weeks before it really looks like anything. And the sprigs, you can tell immediately if you plant them right because then two or three days they'll turn yellow. If you plant them wrong, they'll stay green and start spreading if you plant them right. I think sprigging Bermuda in those holes might make a lot of sense. All right. Thank you so much. And go to Pike and get some nice fresh, fresh sod and uh, put it in there. And let me know in a couple of months, let me know if that doesn't work for you. All right, thank you. That's what I'm going to do. Thank right, you huh? so much. Thanks Bye. for calling. It's 43 minutes past the hour, and that gives Howard way down in Fayetteville, Georgia, his chance on the air. Hey, Howard, good morning. Hey, good morning, Walter. <clears throat> hey, um, a couple of years ago, we planted some Emerald Isle Leland Cypress yeah. trees. Yeah. Planted them in the fall, and uh, last year I started to see some, some of the twigs dying, and this year it's more prevalent. Uh my question is, what is this disease called, and are there any chemicals that would inhibit the growth of this fungus? I'll answer your second question first, and the answer is no. <laughs> there are not any oh, chemicals no. that, generally speaking, are going to do much to anything with Leland's that are turning brown. Um, most of the time, the browning of needles either comes from 
lack of water if they're real young. If you just planted them about a month ago and they're turning brown, it's probably lack of water. If you planted them several years ago, as you say, then they should be well established. But they get cankers. Leland cypress get cankers. They get ceridium canker, botrysferia canker, and a couple more. And those cankers are what are causing likely the brown needles in the uh, in the Leland cypress. Do you, do you see any pattern of how it spreads through the plant? Is it going from the bottom up or the out in or little tips that are dead or what do you see? Well, it's starting from, yeah, I'd say from the bottom up. Um, yeah. Bottom up and from the inside out. How much of the plant is, is involved here? Are we talking half the plant's dead no, brown? No, at what? this point, no. Um, uh, maybe, a, you know, just sporadic, sporadic okay. uh, twigs that are dying. Do a little... Sherlock Holmes investigation. Go out there and see if you can see the place where dead limb ends and live limb begins. And if you see any kind of discoloration or swollen little knot, it won't be very big, but a sort of swollen part of the limb where the dead part is beyond that point, um, take a knife and sort of slice into the limb, prune it off maybe, and take it in the, in the garage and slice it apart and see if you don't see canker-like wounding in there, in that swollen area where live and dead intersect with each other. That, I bet, is what's going on. And frankly, the cure for it is prune them out and keep the plant healthy during the summertime and hope for a better success next year. Well, do I cut the respective twigs off or do I have to cut the whole branch off? Cut back to hopefully live needles. In other words, if you cut all the way back to the uh, trunk of the tree, nothing's going to happen. It will not re-sprout from that point. But it also won't re-sprout if you cut it back just to a place that is you know, live, but no cankers, but has no needles on it. Needles are necessary on the tree in order for a new sprout to happen. So if you cut the whole limb out, that's the end of that story. That limb's no longer there. But if you do pruning, prune back. So I can just just uh, cut off the dead twigs, for lack of a better term. Sure, sure, sure. And dispose of it Well, it looks like on, on the main trunk, I can see some kind of discoloration or something. At, at times, too. Yeah, you're welcome to send me pictures if you want to, Howard. On my website, okay. down at the lower right-hand corner, it says Contact Walter. When you click that button, it'll open up an email system that you can send pictures, and I'd love to see pictures that are in focus that sort of show yeah. me the scope of the whole thing. And maybe yeah, it's real a... disappointing when we bought these things. They said these Emerald Isles were supposed to be resistant to, uh, mm. you know, what whatever this disease is called, but that's not the case. I, I, My experience is all Leland cypresses get cankers of some sort if they're susceptible to it, if they're not watered correctly and they're planted, or if they're real, real dry when they're taken home from a nursery sometimes, that causes them to be pretty weak for the next couple of months. So all of them seem to me to get the canker diseases, and if you want to help, let me uh, see if I can see anything that you don't see and have it described, then send me pictures. All right. Well, thanks a lot. It's great talking to you, Howard. Thanks mm-hmm. for calling. Bye. 404-872-0750 gets you in to take Howard's place. It's 748, and you're listening to Lawn and Garden. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellis weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the Lawn and Garden advice you need. 
a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. It's going to be pretty warm this afternoon, going into the maybe low 90s or high 80s anyway, either way. It's going to be warm today. You can get out and do a little work this morning, and when it gets hot, 2 o'clock this afternoon, take off, take inside, get a soft drink, and enjoy your neighbors from your front porch. 404-872-0750 is the number. Don't forget your full weekend forecast. comes up in 10 minutes on News 95, News 99.5 at AM 750 WSB. We've got time for Pam and Flowery Branch to join us this morning. Hey, Pam, good morning. Good morning. How can I help? I have um, been doing square foot gardening this summer very successfully, but I had no idea how big spaghetti squash plants get. <laughs> they get They're really big. Really big. Is it ever appropriate to prune them, to take off some larger leaves or... Just if I have too many, should I just pull up one of the plants? You can, or you can, if one of the vine, the limb, the whatever you call it, is stretching across the garden, if you want to just tip out the or pinch out the tip of it, that'll shorten it and it'll just stay pretty much that length for the rest of the summertime. It may try to re sprout around that when you pinch out those two. So it's not bad. It's not a bad thing to do to the plant to prune it a little bit to uh, nip the tip so it can't elongate any further. Awesome. I will do that this morning. <laughs> All right. Then. Easy enough. Easy Thank to you, do, Walter. Pam. You bet. Thanks for calling. Bye-bye. Our number again, 404-872-0750. A reminder that uh, we just got back from Amsterdam. We had a great garden tour that we went through Amsterdam and saw all the tulips and saw all the flowers and uh, museums and uh, cultural things about the Netherlands. Had a great time there. We're now planning our next trip, which is again in October to Cuba. This will be our fourth visit to Cuba, and it's completely legal, of course. It's sanctioned by the U.S. State Department. And if you want some details about the Cuba trip, and this may be one of those last times that you're able to see a country before it changes, because we see the the rules and the laws about U.S. uh, contact with the Cuban people and the Cuban uh, business uh, sector, that that is changing a lot in the last uh, couple of months, and it's going to change even more in the next couple of years. And so if you want to see the old Cuba, this might be one of those times that you get to see it before anything really, really starts going down there. If you want some details about the Cuba trip, you go to my website, WalterReeves.com, and type in Cuba 2015. we got details about it, how much it costs how much it costs, what the, uh, uh, the tour company who does these tours for me, what they're going to include in the itinerary. I think this year, instead of going to the, to the east of Havana, which is down sort of towards the coast, we have gone that twice before, this time we'll go to the west of Havana, much more agricultural tobacco farms and uh, bean farms and tobacco rolling factories and all the kind of things like that that I really enjoy seeing. Go to the orchid, uh, or orchid gardens that they have outside of Havana. We'll do a lot of stuff that you would not otherwise be able to see. And again, this is a sanctioned U.S. Department okayed tour. Again, if you want to go more details, WalterReeves.com, type in Cuba 2015. Coming up in the next half hour, Pat and Kennesaw says her juniper is not doing so well. Kyle and McDonough has begonias that have been taken, taken over by other plants. Bill and Marietta has some suggestions on trees that shade his yard. Helen doesn't have any bees in her yard, wants to know why. And Andrew in Albany says sandbirds are really bothering him. He needs a little advice on getting rid of sandbirds. 404-872-0750. We'll be back after news. I stop to listen. I hear your laugh. 